Welcome to Two Guys, One Book, where two friends tackle their reading list one book at a time. Hello, and welcome back to Two Guys, One Book. I'm Tim, joined by... Ryan! <laughs> and this week we read, um, And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie, which... Did you know, Brian, the original title was not good at all, <laughs> like cancel worthy very much. So, right. <laughs> right. I, I, I did some Googling after I finished this book and I was very surprised by the original title of this book is not mentionable in today's polite society. <laughs> yeah. And, and the interesting thing is, and I found this out too, after picking the book and then they changed the name to 10 little Indians, like decades later, which I guess that's the last controversial title. And now it's, and then there were none. So I think now it's neutral enough. I don't think in like 30 years, I need to change it <laughs> again. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting how the times change, like, I heard recently, and and maybe this is like a marketing thing, but have you heard the Roald Dahl books, how they're going to change, like, Augustus is like, they can't call him fat now. He has to be like, you know, it, that would be like body shaming or something in Charlie, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I mean, I heard I heard rumblings of that on social media, yes, that Roald Dahl's estate were, was changing some language in some of the books, but I, didn't, I thought it would be like, I don't know all of Roald Dahl's books, so I don't know if like maybe there's something in there that is a little sketchy, but if they're just changing it so Augustus isn't fat anymore, <laughs> that's like a key part of his character though is that he eats a lot of chocolate, right? Like it wouldn't make sense. I don't know. He was the one I related to the most. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was my spirit character. Yeah, yeah. So like I heard people complaining about that, but is that really censorship? I mean, if the estate of the author is doing it, but. You know, that maybe we're already digressing a little too far. Too. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, we don't have to talk about it anymore, but probably that was just a marketing thing, too, to some extent. Just like now everyone's talking about these books again that a lot of people forgot about. But anyway, so this title had this old controversial bad name. They changed it. They changed it again. It's called And Then There Were None. Uh, it was written in 1939, I think, like a long time ago, almost a uh, century ago coming up. Um, and you're right. Yeah, that's a long time ago. And it was... It's the best-selling mystery novel of all time. Is it really? That's what Wikipedia says. <laughs> you can always trust Wikipedia. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. And Agatha Christie's written, like, a bunch of books, too. I don't know exactly how many, but it's, like, got to be in the dozens. Right? Easily. Easily. I mean, I, I, I don't even know how many books she's written, but I think that she's definitely... I think she's one of the most translated authors of all time, if not the most, in like different languages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, okay. So I picked this book because we haven't read any mysteries before, right? And I thought it would be kind of a fun, light read, something different, um, something kind of entertaining. We've seen a few mystery movies together in theaters. Like that's been fun. Um, and yeah, uh, I guess what did you think? What was your overall impression of the book? Well, I mean, I mean, well, first, like, I thought I liked it. I mean, I admittedly, I've seen, I think when you first wanted to pick a mystery book, you thought of Agatha Christie because she's the queen of mystery. Um, and you said, what about, like, Murder on the Orient Express? I'm like, oh, I've seen that movie. And Death on the Nile, oh, I've seen that movie. So, like, it was difficult just 
choosing one that hadn't been adapted into a movie that I, that either of us says hadn't seen. But fortunately, this one was, I think, a pretty good solid pick. One of her more famous works and, and one that I had no idea what was coming. So I would say initial reaction was positive. I enjoyed it. It was a page turner. It was interesting to a point. Uh, but then, you know, it's just interesting how so many people died. Uh, should we go through a little premise of the book? Perhaps? Yeah. Yeah, let's do... Um... Yeah, we can get into our critiques and and uh, opinions, but let's do a quick overview. So I think it might help to describe each character a little bit too and, and why they go there. Do you want to do the overall plot summary and then I talk about the characters? Yeah, that works. Okay, cool. So, I mean, essentially, um, we are introduced to a variety of different characters at the start of the book. Uh, the first chapter is just bang, 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 just knocking out new 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 character new character new character to the point where i felt like i was a little bombarded with all these new characters but you know there's there's a there's a method to it and each person is traveling to uh soldier island off the coast of england uh for a party slash dinner invitation or something um during the summer like august i think in the summertime um through some sort of loose acquaintance not so much anybody that they really know that well, but they're like, hey, I, I remember so-and-so from back in the day, so I'm going to go and, and to this island because uh, who turns down a nice uh, party invitation to an island? Um, and so there's 10 people on this island, eight guests and two servants, and it ultimately, um, when they get there, they realize the hosts aren't even there, um, but... Lo and behold, there is this mysterious phonograph record that plays and reveals that each one of them has a deep, dark secret that they are responsible for uh, the death of a innocent, or I guess. Um, yeah, each of them is accused of some crime in the past that involved like a murder or um, somehow they were involved with a person dying. Maybe out of neglect or other. Yeah. Right. Um and so then that throws the whole party into a tizzy. Everyone is like vehemently denying that they have anything to do with another human being's ultimate demise. Um, and trying to figure out like, oh, who's the, like, how did we get all get here? And how did this, the hosts know, know all this about us? When um, I think pretty cleverly, the hosts are, uh, are uh, the hosts of the island are known by initials and then the last name Owen. But the initials are U N, so un Owen. Unknown. That was a cheeky. Yeah, yeah, that was a bit cheeky. Yeah. Um. So they're all lured there under false pretenses to uh, have this mystery and uh, unwind that all these people are responsible for death of another person. And they're all thinking like, oh, well, we'll just leave in the morning, and then and then, but somebody drinks something that's poisoned, and then the first person dies, and then slowly they continue to keep dying and um over the next couple of days and the waters the sea is really high because there's a storm that came through and so there's no boats able to come out to the island so they're trapped that they're trapped there and then slowly one by one they all die <laughs> and then right. and yeah again. right that was great the summary yeah um no, I, thank you yeah and to your point about the characters there are like 10 is sort of a lot i feel like to all be main characters um, so that could be kind of a critique, but you know, it had to match the rhyme that, or whatever was repeated in the right. record. So 
Right. And I think you bring up a good point that I, that I left out is that there's 10 people and they all start dying. And whenever somebody dies, uh, their death is somehow linked to some sort of nursery rhyme or poem. And at first, when I read the book, I thought Agatha Christie just made up that nursery rhyme or poem, but it actually was a real nursery rhyme from back in the day in England that she used to weave into her story. And that's where the original bad title. Oh, okay. Leave so it to the, the old English to... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Does the old colonizing English come up with a offensively bad uh, nursery rhyme where little uh, people are um, picked off one by one, huh? Yeah. And that's not surprising at all. <laughs> Would have thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the the concept is is an interesting plot, and I like too how they had these little figurines that sort of represented the characters, and then as one by one they kind of died, then they would get like the figurines would disappear, and everyone's like, oh, there's only five now, and then it's like, oh, this person's dead. It was cool. Yeah, yeah, that was good. I, I but like I I felt like at times there was like there was a stretch. Like I think one time one of the nursery rhymes says a bee stung one. And then there was five or something like that. Um, and so like what happened was an old woman got injected with poison and there happened to be a bee in or something like that. <laughs> it was a stretch. Like it was hard to like, it was to get swarmed by bees. I mean, I feel like Agatha Christie had to get like, you know, I don't know, sort of tied together, but uh, it's a tricky line to balance. Right. And then, then when, so when I was reading it, I thought like, okay, that bee thing is a bit of a stretch, but then, because, but at the time I thought Agnes Christie made the nursery rhyme. So I'm like, why didn't she pick something else better than a bee? Mm -hmm. But now that I realized that she was conforming the story to match the original nursery rhyme that she never created, I'll give her a little bit of the You can excuse it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. All right. Well, let me crank through the characters real quick just to yeah, sure. paint a picture. Um, so there's... Anthony Martin, which is a handsome and reckless young man who is, uh, he's the first to die and he was accused of running over and killing, um, two kids while drunk, uh, in his car. So he's kind of like a, you know, drive the sports car is kind of a hotshot type character. Um, then there's Emily Brent, who's like the older character and just very like stern and like judgmental, I guess. Um, I didn't, I don't remember that many details about her crime, but well, do you remember what she was accused of? Um, I think it was, see, that's just it. Sometimes it wasn't clear in the book itself, but what I read online was that, um, she had a miss, she had like a maid or a helper at her house got, who got pregnant out of wedlock. And so Miss Brent disowned her or, or shunned her to the point where the, the young lady committed suicide. Okay. So yeah, like she didn't directly like murder a person, but she was invited there to die because she was involved in, you know, her actions may have led to this person's death. Um, and then there's the Justice Lawrence Wargrave, who's a retired judge and is supposedly there because he was accused of um, passing sentences on people who weren't, who were like wrongfully accused, like um, life sentences, I guess, or was it to death? I don't know. Um, Philip Long. Was it? Okay. I think with the with the judge, I think he he there was a person in in his court that was presumed to be innocent but the judge convinced the jury to commit him to prison and then where he ultimately died gotcha yeah yeah 
Um, there's Vera Claythorne, who is a younger school teacher who has a dark past where she was accused of drowning um, a young boy in her care in order to inherit his wealth. Uh, Philip Lombard, who is kind of, um, he's sort of this confident, like, adventure character, but he was accused of, like, abandoning this group of people in the in the wilderness, I guess, in Africa, without food or water, and he just sort of, like, shrugs and is like, yeah, I just kind of left him to die. So he's sort of, like, a terrible person. Um, let's see, a few more. There's Edward Armstrong, who's a doctor, and um, he was accused of killing a patient under uh, the influence of alcohol while performing surgery. There's um, police officer William Bloor, who was hired to investigate the other guests. And I guess he gave false testimony that uh, led to another man being sent to prison. Um, a retired army general with a guilty conscience who was accused of sending a subordinate to his death in World War I. Um, and then the two other people are the butlers who are on the island when the other characters arrive. Um, and I, yeah, they don't. They really, yeah, what did they do? They didn't go into oh, much. Detail. Read the book. <laughs> Dude, they're okay. Because <laughs> we got accused of not like knowing, remembering every single detail of the characters in like that one book. Uh, so I'm trying to crank through, but like they didn't talk about the butler as much, right? The Rogers. No, I mean they they were both pretty early to die, but um, the butlers. The, it was a it was a husband and wife, so butler and maid, and they were accused of being. Uh, of working for this elderly woman who had health problems and they withheld medicine from her so that she would pass away instead of getting the care she needed. And then, then she ultimately gave them money or something like that in her will. So it's not like they actively killed her. They just withheld what would have saved her, which you can argue is the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's a lot of people to keep track of and like backstories. So it's like, uh, that part, I feel like, you know, if there were seven people or something, that probably could have been good. Um, but anyway, they did bump a few off quickly, so, uh, that helped. Um, do you know what this reminded me a lot of, actually, is that recent movie with, uh, the Ryan Johnson, Knives Out, A Glass Onion Mystery? Really? Uh, <clears throat> okay, dude, listen. Oh, he dude. has a black I... island, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He invites yeah. all these people there. He even talks about how like Knives Out and Daniel Craig and all that is inspired by Agatha Christie stuff. So, oh, sure, absolutely. But I think you're missing a bigger movie that that this reminded me. Well, not, maybe not bigger, but a cult classic. What's that? Have you ever seen the movie Clue? Uh, I have not seen the movie Clue. No. Oh my god, it's so with the good. It's based on. <laughs> yes. So the movie Clue was in the 80s i think 86 or something like that is when it came out but it is based off the the board game like with the characters from the board game but it is taken straight from this book and then there were absolutely because in in include the movie you got miss scarlet mrs peacock mrs white colonel mustard you know professor plum mr green all the characters in the clue board game are all drawn to this mansion in new england in the 50s by an anonymous letter because they're all being blackmailed for potential ties to communism in the 50s, you know? So they, they all are, like, being blackmailed individually, and they get this invite to this uh, dinner party at this house. They all go to this house, and then Mr. Body reveals himself as the blackmailer. Mr. Body in the Clue board game is the person who, whose death you're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. um, and then so 
what happens is Mr. Body reveals that he's blacking on everybody there. The lights go out and somebody kills Mr. Body. And then slowly but surely more deaths happen throughout the movie. It is so good. It is my brother and I's one of our favorite movies. We can quote almost all the lines. It is phenomenal. And when I was reading this book and then there were none, I'm like, oh my goodness, the people who wrote Clue the movie said, let's make a movie about a board game and let's incorporate Agatha Christie in with that. Interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's interesting because I feel like it's hard to pull off a movie based on a board game. But if you combine it with like a classic mystery, then you sort of add a, a more interesting element to it, right? Absolutely. It's like and, a and, and, and mystery. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. Pluto okay. is hilarious. I mean, if you haven't seen it, I, Tim, I... I, I feel like I failed as your friend. <laughs> if you have not seen Clue and we've been friends for this long, I should have it should have come up more often in our conversations. It really yeah. should have. You failed for sure, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I swear, when you watch the movie, you're going to be like, oh my goodness, this is, this is like the book. Well, if, if, that feels like a story that can be retold in different ways uh, in different generations. And even like there's games like, I don't know, Mafia or like Among Us where it's like, there's someone among us who's killing people. We don't know who it is. Like that's almost like a timeless um, sort of storyline, right? Yeah. And I think I think it's timeless, and it, I think it probably pre, it predates Agatha Christie, but mm -hmm. she does such a good job of of, of writing mysteries that you know. Yeah. So it, it it proves her talent in that she is telling us a type of story that's been told for eons, and she still tells it tells it well. Yeah, and and even though I criticize like the amount of characters and stuff, like I think she did a good job choosing a diver a diverse a diverse range of characters and um, just interesting backgrounds, you know, and um, kind of telling the stories through some of their perspectives. Um, right. I thought that was well done. Yeah, and I think by the time you get like maybe a third to to fifty percent into the book, you're down to half the characters anyway, and then we'll keep them straight a little better forward. From yeah. I, I do think once at like the halfway two thirds point is where it really started to get more interesting to me because then it's um you're like I don't know for you if you had a good sense of who the killer was or if by watching Clue that gave it away but uh, I I actually didn't know like till the end I, I it helped, kept me guessing so like how did you were you guessing throughout as well or what were you doing I was um uh, uh until a certain point because um. Did you read the book or did you listen to the audiobook? Uh, listened. Yeah. Was that, did they have different voice characters or anything like that? Oh, there's a version that did that, like a play, but I just had the one British guy. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, so here's what happened for me, Tim. Mm -hmm. I had the hard copy book and, you know, I'm reading, I'm engaged, I'm wondering what's going on, you know, whatnot. And I'm like, oh, like how many pages do I have left? You know, like I, so I, I flipped. I flipped in my hard copy book all the way to the back to see like just the page number, just the page. I don't want to see. Yeah. It's like, what is the ultimate end page number? And my eyes catch a name on that last page that is unavoidable. And I'm like, shoot, I really hope I didn't ruin the whole book for myself. <laughs> Brian, come on. But guess what I did? I ruined the whole book for myself. Uh, all right. Now, now, all right. I didn't ruin it. It was still, I still enjoyed reading it. It was still fun. Like, you know, once you see the person's name, you can't like unsee that. So I was reading the la last third of the book is what I was reading, like thinking like, is that really the person? Yeah. And it was. Yeah. If you're reading a mystery book, don't <laughs> go to the end, especially because 
enjoying that book to its fullest is very contingent on the mystery aspect. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's okay. I feel it happens. Yeah. But I still like the book. Sometimes I'll go to the back of a book and just like, I feel like understanding how the author ends a book is like a good sense of whether I want to read the book or not. <laughs> I don't know if that sounds weird, but like sometimes I'll just read the last line or page and like, yeah, you know, you think of like F Scott Fitzgerald or something who has some like classic lines and at the end of his books. And it's like, that might be a good way to judge if you're into the style of the author. Well, I mean, have you seen when Harry met Sally? I have not. No. Gosh, Tim, <laughs> just add these movies to your to watch list. I know. When Harry when Harry met Sally, one of the best rom coms of all time. I think it's a great movie. In in that movie, I'm not spoiling anything. Billy Crystal plays Harry, and his character says he thinks about death so much that whenever he, he reads a book, he reads the end so he knows how it end before in case he dies before he gets to finish the book. <laughs> so you're describing exactly what Harry does when Harry met Sally. That's pretty good. That sounds yeah. like a Woody Allen neurotic tendency right. as well. <laughs> so it does. Yeah. Uh, so let's get back to this book. And then there were none. Um, you you were fully engrossed about about halfway to two thirds in. You were like, "What's going on? How does this all resolve?" And all that. Yeah. When it got down to okay, so the doctor and Lombard um, and uh, Vera Claythorne and uh, I think those were the last three that we yeah. saw, right? Um, yeah, and that's where I was really like... And Blore. Correct. I think I think Blore was the fourth one. I think the Doctor disappeared, and then you had Blore, Lombard, and Vera Clayforn, and then the Doctor disappeared, and then Blore died, but then Vera and Lombard find the Doctor in his body, and Doctor's been dead. And so then it's just Vera and Lombard. You know what? I just realized... Okay, and we didn't even talk about how the book ends or like the twist, right? But, um, you know, speaking of movies, <laughs> this one is so different than every one we've talked about so far. But, like, have you seen the movie Saw? Um, I have never seen Saw because I'm not really a, a like a, a thrasher movie guy, but I know the twist. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I'm not really that into that genre either, but I <laughs> saw that movie a long time ago and, uh, and like the person at the end is is like the dead body, right? And I guess that's another sort of twist that shows up again and again in uh, various like works of fiction. Is the, you got to watch out whenever there's a, a dead body. It could be someone just playing pretend, right? <laughs> Which right, was the case right. with Judge in uh, in this book. Yeah, I know. I mean, so yeah, I I would have never saw that coming. I mean, I didn't, <laughs> but I knew. But I saw that the judge had something to do with it. Uh, from seeing his name at the end of the story. Um, do you want to elaborate on how he did it? No, you do it. Okay. Well, essentially, I think the judge, being a judge, um, has seen the, um, the the faults of humans on a day-to-day level, and so he gets, I think, fed up with humans in general and, and um, the fact that some people can do bad things and get away with it. Like, like sure, he put murders away, but there's people like Vera Claythorne who maybe suggested to the boy that he could swim to the rock and she didn't do anything, but she just suggested, Hey, go swim to that rock. You know, you can do it. And then he drowns or like the, the butler and his wife withheld medicine from an old lady and no could prove that. But, um, and other things like that. So the judge saw, heard about these instances throughout his years of being a judge. And he thought these people are getting away with stuff like that. Anthony Martin killed two kids with drunk driving and he's still roaming the streets. 
So the judge wanted to do something about it. And I think the judge didn't he have like a terminal illness or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then he concocts this whole thing about inviting people to this island, you know, arranging it so that all their secrets get revealed to each other, poisoning this, poisoning Marston to start it, and then then slowly picking off the others, and then even even convincing the doctor, Doctor Armstrong, on on the island, the judge convinces the doctor to help him out. Like, hey, come come with me, and we'll try to solve this case by pretending I'm going to fake my death, me being the judge. So the judge fakes his death on the island with the help of the Dr. Armstrong. And then, but then, so he's, so the judge gets to roam around on the island kind of un, with the, all the other guests unaware that he's still alive. Um, so he can commit these other murders and then eventually commit suicide by some elaborate way to make it look like that he didn't actually commit suicide. Yeah. And, and the only reason we know all this is because, you know, humans being human and the need to confess be, uh, being uh, bound within us all, he, he wrote, a note and stuck it in a bottle and sent it out to sea. Some Fisher Wharf uh, found the bottle or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he, he sent a message in a bottle. Um, yeah, I think, and honestly, I feel like that was a pretty good uh, twist. Like, I think as a character, it's, I mean, obviously it's a very far-fetched like story as far as would this ever happen in real life, but like he had like um, a backstory and motivation for doing this kind of crazy thing and he had this terminal illness and it makes sense connecting the dots now that he's a judge and that's how he has the understanding and some connection to some of these cases, right? So that could help people predict um, maybe him as a, as a villain. Yeah. I mean, you know, I enjoyed the book. It was fun. But like my my only beef was like at the end, at the very, not the very end, but like when Vera Claythorne is the last one standing, mm-hmm. right? Like because she, she, she steals Philip Lombard's gun from his pocket and shoots him because she thinks... Lombard's than the psycho that brought us all here. Mm-hmm. She goes up into her room in the house then and just sees a noose hanging there. Like, she knows she didn't make it. The noose appears because the judge made the noose for her. Mm-hmm. But she just goes up and hangs herself. Like, the judge didn't even, like, have to force her there, right? Like, she just goes up and is like, oh, man, I'm the last one on this island, deserted island now. Everyone else is dead. Who knows when the people from the mainland will come and see if anybody is out here. I'm just going to shuffle off this mortal coil and, and yeah, myself. Well, she was like, she was very much a tortured soul, right? Like she, she was pretty, she felt very guilty of her past and maybe she sort of accepted her fate, um, being there to some degree. Yeah. That's a good explanation, Tim. But I, I will also have to admit, I think Vero is my favorite character. Okay. I, so I wanted her to survive, and I wanted her to not, I don't know, be so despondent, I guess. But she did bad things. Everybody did that. Yeah. There's a number of ways you could take the book. And, um, I mean, it almost makes you wish, like, what if there were a version of this where it's like, didn't they do this in Clue or some other movie where it's like any person could have been the killer and then it has, like, an alternate ending or backstory? Yes. <laughs> That's Clue. Okay. like, But you haven't seen it. No, I think I heard about it though. So, like, how does oh, okay. like they show the alternate ending at the end, or is that like the DVD extra bonus feature? Oh, Tim, the way the way the, the clue people did it was genius. So, in the eighties, when they released the film in theaters, they had three endings, and where, depending on where you lived, you saw only one ending. So, what they did was they had this movie. It ended. People from like Chicago went to St. Louis and talked to people 
you know, about the movie Clue, they would be talking about different endings. And so like they, and like they, and the people that released Clue didn't even um, uh, admit that until later. So that the audience was completely like, so I, I thought that was so clever because then in the DVD version or the VHS, whenever I saw it, they had, they played out the three separate endings back to back to back. They said like, this is how it could have happened or this is how it could have happened. But here's what really happened. That's how they did it when it's all mashed together. Imagine how many like arguments that must have caused where it's like, uh, no, this is how it ended. Wait, this is how it ended. Like that probably confused so many people. Like, I think it's awesome they did that in theaters, but like also that probably led to a lot of like, <laughs> you know, gaslighting or like confusion. Oh yeah. But I think that was so so genius about it is that it would lead to confusion, but who cares? It's a movie. It's a silly fun movie. So go see it. That yeah, I mean, I think they sh honestly like there should be more experimentation, I feel like, with movies and shows. And I think there's a Netflix show recently that came out. I haven't seen it. I think the guy from like Breaking Bad is in it. Um the chicken dude. But they, I think you can watch the episodes like out of order, and maybe it's like a different story depending on how you watch it, kind of. Um, oh. So yeah, I feel like there's interesting ways they could, um, you know, iterate on that. Yeah, I'm all for that. You know, like I think we do get a little too cookie cutter-ish with our uh, storytelling, um, like whether it's streaming or movies or whatnot. It does seem to pander to the audience. Like everything is a sequel of a sequel or other intellectual property from some other sources to rot is changed a little bit and, and shot back out there and like and now the most popular tv show right now is based on a video game you know so i mean which is fine if it's done well great but like i think i'm all for some non-linear or maybe confusing or or i like the this watch it watch us if they can make a show where you can watch any episode in it i think that'd be very cool uh, speaking of the video game show, <laughs> did you see the SNL skit that was making fun of that? And like the next video game HBO series will be Mario Kart. <laughs> and it's like, uh, oh, you know what? I did see that one. So that funny. was a good one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It actually looks pretty good. good. Like I would, I might watch that show even though they're being <laughs> the, the Mario Kart. Yeah. Dystopia show. Oh, that looked great. <laughs> um, but yeah, what, uh, but yeah, also, I know I often bring up AI and stuff, but like now with like technology, someone can just like a writer could just be like come up with 10 alternate endings and like and take the story there. So that could be, oh, you're right. Or like personalize it depending on like what you're interested in. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Man, no, I like that. That'd be good. Huh? All kinds of uses. For AI. I'm sure the screenwriters are, uh, it, it can help them get through writer's block or something. I don't know. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, so, okay, after reading this, like, do you, are you a fan of mysteries in general, do you think, or how do you feel about it as a genre? You know what? I would say maybe a year or so ago, I might've said like mystery isn't that much, not my cup of tea because like, but like th there's so much mystery out there. I think that's the problem It's getting good mystery. But I think in this last year with the Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion, I love that movie. Um, I, my wife and I have been watching Only Murders in the Building. On Hulu, great TV show. I love Martin Short and Steve Martin, but it's a, actually a great mystery too. And now at, with this book, like, so I mean, full disclosure, like I saw Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile. I didn't really like Murder on the Orient Express because I didn't like the twist in that one. Uh, Death on the Nile, I thought was good. I mean, it's like kind of like the movie was kind of 
cheesy at times, but I thought the mystery was good. So I, I attribute that to Agatha Christie. So, you know, I, I think, sure, I'm game for more mystery in my future, but I just add that to the <laughs> plethora of other reading options that I have in front of me. Yeah. yeah. Now, I might not, I might not actually read more mystery, but I do like a good mystery. Yes. There's something about mystery that I think is just very engrossing and like you get, you can get so into it, you know, cause you're just, I feel like at least for me, I'm wondering like who did this thing and your mind is racing with all the possible possibilities, right? Like more so than other genres we read. Um, I think the closest thing to a mystery that we read on here before this was where the crawdads sing. And I guess maybe some people classify that as a mystery, but like, I think it's more of a drama really, or like a coming of age tale. And then with the little mystery like thrown in there, but, but no, I like a good like detective story and, um, TV series and movie. Um, yeah, those are fun. Yeah. Um, have you read any Sherlock Holmes? Uh, yeah, I think I've read a couple. I've, I enjoyed the series with Benedict Cumberbatch too. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> sure you did. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I just read only one. I read the very first one, Studying Scarlet, and it just kind of threw me off because like halfway through it just kind of takes a hard right and goes somewhere else. And like, I thought I was reading a different book because it's like, is this even, anyway, you just have to get used to that in the first, in Studying Scarlet, but I haven't read any other Sherlock Holmes because I feel like that might be a little thing, but yeah. Yeah. That's but that I think points to like this the strength of Agatha Christie that this still is like interesting 80 plus years later right like that's pretty impressive like I mean who's gonna write or make something today that will still be like enjoyed 80 years from now like that's pretty hard to do I bet <laughs> yeah that is yeah hmm. so yeah. yeah so you felt like you you went through this pretty quickly it was it got had your full engagement throughout the whole process and yeah, I would say at first, like, I enjoyed the presentation of the characters and the backstory. It just uh, it took a little bit for me to get into. But then towards the end, like I said, it really kind of picked up and caught my interest. Anything you, anything, would would you change anything? Would you make it even shorter? <laughs> I, yeah, that's my go-to critique. Uh, I usually have a lot of things I would change. But honestly, I don't know if I would change that much about it other than, like, maybe just start with, like, seven characters. And, like, uh, that way I kind of can track better what's going on. Um but you know, other than that, I think yeah, she did. She did a good job. What do you think? You would change the ending as far as what happened with Claythorne? I would. I mean, like, I mean, knowing what I know now, that Agatha Christie started with a nursery rhyme and wanted to form her story to that nursery rhyme. I'll, I want to. I'm willing to give her a little more benefit of the doubt. At the time when I was reading the book, I was like, you know. Come on, she just walks up into the house and then immediately hangs herself. But I mean, but like she did bad things. Like you said, she was definitely a more roller coaster character. Like you know, we were privy to her inner monologue a lot more than other characters to the point where we, she we knew that she felt guilty about what she did and then it didn't work. Like so, I guess that made sense that she that Vera would be the one to commit suicide of all the characters. But uh, but no, yeah, I feel like you know. Agatha Christie's the queen of mystery for a reason. I don't think there's anything you could really change about this. The only other question I have is, um, what other nursery rhymes can be made into uh, <laughs> into movies or adapted? Yeah, huh? I most yeah. aren't that violent. I guess it's not a nursery rhyme. It's just like a weird little like song about people dying. <laughs> right, right. So like, um, yeah, I don't know. Around the rosy, like, the or um, what are those piggies on your toes? This oh yeah, first little piggy went to market. One little yeah. stay home. 
<laughs> I'm sure that's been adapted into some character. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we could do uh, the rating time if you're ready. Yeah, I'll go first because I'm indecisive. Okay. I'm indecisive. I, you know, talking it, talking it over with you, uh, realizing uh, everything I've been saying tonight. Um, heck, yeah, I'm going to give it a four. Yeah. All right. My, my that's, you know, that's like the last time I bumped my score up. You were between, you're on the fence. And then after talking about it, yeah. that's interesting. I, I've seen how discussing a book can change your view of it a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Because like I was, when I read it, I was like, ah, it's kind of like a three, like middle of the road. Like, yeah, it was good. It engaged. Um, kept my interest. I agree with you. A lot of characters keeping track, you know, like what all's going on exactly. Um, uh, you know, you can critique the character's behavior because like you try to put yourself in those situations as well. And you're like, well, I wouldn't behave that way. If I found myself on a uh, you know, remote island with a bunch of people dying, but you, I'm not there. Those are characters that are different people. And so like at the, and then at the time, like I, I must admit seeing the judge's name at the end of the book did kind of just like make me wish I hadn't seen that. <laughs> yeah. Spoiled. So, yeah. so maybe that's why I thought it was three at first, but talking with you now, like, like I said, you know, like knowing how Agatha Christie took that issue around, fit the story around it, tied everything up in a bow and then ultimately revealed how it was the judge all along, I think was master storytelling. Yeah. Say? Yeah. For me, I was between a four and a five and, uh, I think I was going to, I'm going to give it a four as well. Um, you know, great story. She's the queen of mystery, as you say. Um, great characters, maybe a few too many. Um, and, you know, it didn't keep my attention uh, the entire story, but overall it holds up 80 plus years later and it's it's still worth a read, I think. So, yeah, good stuff. No, absolutely. Good pick, Tim. I feel like this, I'm, I'm definitely glad... <laughs> We read this one and not like I'm glad I'm glad I saw Murder on the Express so I didn't have to suffer through that twist that I don't like or a better twist in this book. Gotcha. Well, maybe that Murder on the Orient Express book is better than the movie. That's usually the case, right? It could be. And I will admit, I, the movie I saw was like from the 80s or 70s. Like, oh, it was the I, old old version. Uh, there's there's a newer one out, isn't there? There is a newer one out, but it's still the same story, still the same plot twist. So I did not see that one. I heard the reviews were just kind of okay. And then didn't they, I think they tried to mix in like modern music with the old story. And I don't like when they do that, like stylistically, like, okay. in like Peaky Blinders or something, I don't know if you've seen that show. I think it can work in that. Cause it's kind of cool how they blend it in. But like, it's, I get that Christy, they don't need, to, they're playing like Imagine Dragons in the trailer. And I'm like, yeah. oh, if this is in the movie, that would just not fit well. Yeah. Anyway, I'm uh I'm getting into the weeds about my yeah. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for another. Podcast. Yeah. So what? Yeah. So yeah. Good pick, Tim. The next is going to be a Brian pick, and we are going to be reading Liberation Day by George Saunders. Liberation Day is a collection of short stories, and George Saunders is one of my favorite authors. So I cannot wait to read this book. I have it here with me, so I'm going to start it tonight. Sounds good. I'm looking forward yeah. to discussing that. Yeah. Yeah. So in the meantime, people go to twoguysonebook.com, all spelled out, twoguysonebook.com, and let us know what you think of Agatha Christie, and then there were none, and other books we have on our website that we'll be reading in the future. And until then, <laughs> until next time, keep reading. Keep reading.